Hey everybody, welcome to the Motion Church Weekly Podcast. This set of podcasts is going to be our messages from our time together as a church on Saturdays. And so it will be um, messages shared by either me or uh, Pastor Shannon. And so we hope you enjoy these and uh, look forward to those discussions coming later in the weeks um, on these messages. Focus on the application, but these are going to be the message audio from our time on Saturday, so we hope these are an encouragement to you. Enjoy the podcast. Oh, man. Well, John chapter 8, Shannon introed us in last week, um, kind of filled in the space here between John chapter 7 John chapter 8. Um, encourage you, if you missed that, um, podcast is up, the message is up, so go listen to that. Uh, we discussed that on uh, the Thursday episode as well. Um, textual criticism and those kind of things. And so what we're picking up today is John chapter 8, verse 12. And I don't know if I said it before, and I apologize if I did. Um, I wasn't looking ahead, but I might have given you the impression that we ended the Feast of Booths in chapter 7, which isn't really the case. Because if you look at John chapter 8, verse 12, it says, again, Jesus spoke to them. And remember, uh, chapter 7, verse 53 through 8, 11 kind of, we, we said last week, it looks like it would fit in other places in Scripture, not necessarily right there after John chapter 7. And so if we take that in context and in, in our thoughts here, then we're picking up chapter 8, verse 12, and Jesus is still present at the Feast of Booths. And so that's important to keep in mind this week. And so what I want you to think about here right at the beginning, because this is very important to what Jesus is saying today, is I want you to think about, have you ever seen the um, massive light beams that um, I think I've seen them at Blue County Fair or even like some car lots in Orlando where they're just like boom shooting up into the air and you can see the light from miles and miles away. You've seen those? Um, it's, it's amazing that we could see those lights from that far away. You don't have to be in the vicinity to see where those lights are coming from, right? Um, and so what we're seeing here at the Feast of Booths um, is something we haven't mentioned yet was um, the Feast of Booths had another ritual and what they would do is they would light these giant lamps and so to give you kind of an idea of these lamps really those beams are the only things I could think of that are like what these lamps are describing here in the Feast of Booths is uh, in one place I read they were like 75 feet tall these lamps that they would light there were four of them and so in the temple remember the Feast of Booths is happening in Jerusalem and so at the temple, they would light these four, um, I mean, they're not really candles, but they're big old things. Um, and they had four bowls at the top that they would light. And so they were just big old pillars that they would light uh, for the Feast of Booths. And so what happened was, with these things, the light would illuminate the temple. Well, not just the temple. Um, in one place, uh, as I was reading and looking up some more information about these things, um, it lit up really the entire city. Of Jerusalem these things were so bright so even brighter than those light beams that we were talking about at the county fairs and all those kind of things so these uh, lamps that they would light were super super bright and so this was a ritual that happened at the Feast of Booths so if you remember when we talked about the Feast of Booths it was this uh, feast that God instituted for them to remember when Moses uh, led them through the Red Sea right or God led them through Moses Crossed the Red Sea on dry ground and then into the wilderness where they were for 40 years. And so we talked last time, John chapter 7, where Jesus said, 
Um, if anybody thirsts, let them come to me and drink, right? So that was the imagery of the water flowing out of the rock. <coughs> they said you will have uh, the rivers of living water if you come to Jesus. And so what else happened in the wilderness those 40 years? How did God lead the children of Israel in the wilderness? Do you remember? Pillar of smoke during the day and how at night? Fire. Pillar of fire. So these four pillars were thought to be reminiscent of God's leading them in the wilderness. Okay, and so this temple, remember the temple we talked about it uh, back in John chapter 3 around there. The temple was massive and it was elevated a little bit. So when this took place, when they lit these humongous candles, it lit up the entire place. And um, it was funny, I was reading some of this and it said that there were, uh, the women could actually sift wheat at night because of how bright these lights were. So they could do work really any time of the day because of the light that was given off by these lamps. And I want to share with you kind of a, a time when I was in uh, Guatemala. I've been there three times now, and one of the times, I can't remember which time, but uh, we were asked, a few of us were asked to join some Guatemalan guys with the missionary we were there with to play basketball really like in the middle of the night. It was like 11 o'clock, maybe midnight, and they were like, hey, we're going to go play some basketball. So they were like, okay. So there was probably about eight of us that went, and we were playing basketball with these Guatemalan guys, um, or some version of basketball. It was kind of like tackle football and basketball at the same time. And um, But we were playing, and then across the way a little bit, there was this church building. It wasn't um, church building that we would think of around here, but it was a building nonetheless, and there was people in there meeting, and they were singing. They had this super loud sound system. We couldn't see it, but we could hear it. And there was this lady that was singing, didn't understand what she was saying, but I still remember hearing her voice because it was rather loud. We were playing basketball and we're shouting and screaming and this lady was louder than all of us. And then inside of that building they had these lights and so every single window you could see just the lights shining out. And so that was a very vivid picture that I have in my mind that I still remember to this day. And Jesus here, he's going to give that kind of picture. And really the Feast of Booths, that happened. Whenever they lit these massive candles, uh, they would join and sing and worship together in the midst of these uh, candles. And so let's go to our passage today, John chapter 8, verse 12. I want you to really keep in mind all of these imageries of light. Verse 12 says, Again, Jesus spoke to them, saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And so here at the Feast of Booths, perhaps on one of the last days of the feast, Jesus makes a bold statement. He says that he is the light of the world. And I want you to think, those lights that I was telling you about, the four lights, they lit up the entire city of Jerusalem. So Jesus, did he say, I'm the light of Jerusalem? No. He said, I'm the light of the world. So as bright as those lights were, Jesus said, he, he is brighter. Jesus said he was the light of the world. He takes it a billion steps further, says that he is the light of the world. And Jesus, in reality, he was saying what he's been saying all along. He's saying that I am the Messiah. You know, the Feast of Booths was a feast that looked forward to the coming of the Messiah. They were reminding themselves that there were better times coming. We've talked about it before, right, with Abraham. There's a greater uh, prophet, right? And so they're looking forward to the Messiah coming, and Jesus is saying, hey, this is me. I am here. I am the light of the world. Hold your place here in chapter 8. Let's go to chapter 1. 
Um, this isn't something that Jesus is just randomly saying here. This is something that really even John has been laying out for us since the beginning of his gospel. If you go to John chapter 1 and take a look at verse 4. Um, eh, why not? Let's just start at the beginning. John 1, 1. It says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. So, see that word light. Verse 5, The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. When those candles were lit, the entire city was lit up. The darkness was not able to overcome those lights. They were able to work, or they could have worked in the middle of the night because of how bright those lights were. Jesus is that greater light. And then uh, let's take a look at verse 9 of chapter 1. It says, The true light, speaking of Jesus, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Verse 14, And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. So this idea of light has been going on since John chapter 1. Um, you don't necessarily have to turn there, um, but if you want to write down this reference, really cool, Revelation 21, 23, and quiz, who wrote Revelation? John. John, so the same guy who wrote what we're studying also wrote Revelation. Revelation 21, verse 23, check this. This is talking about uh, the new Jerusalem, so the new city of Jerusalem, right? Jesus is right now in the city of Jerusalem. Uh, actually, I'll read in verse 22. John says, And I saw no temple in the city, for its temple is the Lord God, the Almighty, and the Lamb. Verse 23, And the city has no need of sun or moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives its light, and its lamp is the Lamb. So after this earth is made new, and the new city of Jerusalem, who's the light for that city? Jesus. It doesn't need a light. So Jesus is, in fact, saying something much deeper here than what you would just assume if you just read this on the surface. So Jesus is saying that he is the light of the world. And we need to make sure that we are really understanding the depth of what he's saying. So Jesus is letting everybody know that, hey, you're looking forward to the Messiah, the one who's going to bring light to the nations. I'm here. And Jesus, you know, he says he's the light of the world, but then he also, just like he did when he talked in uh, chapter 7, if you want to go back to John chapter um, 7, and you want to look at, let me get it here. We talk about this towards the end. If you look at John chapter 7, verse 37, it says, On the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried out, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. So Jesus says, if you thirst, come to me. And he clarifies what that looks like. He says it's believing in him. So if you go to chapter 8, Jesus also clarifies what it means to believe in him. If you look at chapter 8, verse 12, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So Jesus is giving us insight here in what it looks like to follow 
him to follow the light because the light is coming to the world. So um, the word uh, follow there means to be in the same way with or to join as a disciple. So if you're going to join in the same way as Jesus, or if you're going to become a disciple of Jesus, what does he say you're going to do? He says, you, you are not going to walk in darkness, but you're going to have the light of life. Coming to Christ for salvation results in a different kind of life. We don't continue to walk in the darkness that the world who doesn't follow Jesus walks in. They continually walk in darkness, right? We saw that back in chapter 3, I believe. Um, uh, yeah, chapter 3, verse 19. Jesus says, and this is the judgment. The light has come into the world, and people love darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. And so those who don't follow, choose to follow or join themselves with Jesus, they walk in darkness. But those of us who choose to join ourselves with Christ and become his disciple, we don't walk in darkness. Now, it doesn't mean that we won't ever slip into momentary times of darkness where we mess up or sin. But we will not choose to live in the darkness there. We will not walk forever and ever in darkness, but we will have the light of life. So we don't remain in that realm of evil and ignorance because we have Christ and his light with us. Jesus is giving the people the same opportunity that he gave them in chapter 7 when he talked about whoever thirsts, let them come. He, he continues to give that invitation. If you want life, it's in me. Follow me. Um, and we mentioned this earlier, but when the Jews were in the wilderness, how did God lead them? He led them by a light, that pillar of the cloud and the fire by night. In the darkness, he led them by his light. And so Jesus is saying, hey, follow me. And then, of course, you know, this is just one verse. What happens after verse 12? The Pharisees have to jump in and get their, uh, get their voices heard. So let's see what the Pharisees have to say. Let's look at verse 13 of John chapter 8. Says, so the Pharisees said to him, said to Jesus, you are bearing witness about yourself. Your testimony is not true. Uh, even, uh, Jesus answered, sorry, verse 14, even if I do bear witness about myself, my testimony is true, for I know where I come for, came from and where I am going, but you do not know where I come from or where I am going. You judge according to the flesh, I judge no one. Yet even if I do judge, my judgment is true, for it is not I alone who judge, but I am the Father who sent me. In your law it is written that the testimony of two people is true. I am the one who bears witness about myself, and the Father who sent me bears witness about me. So let's, let's think about what's happening here. The Pharisees, what are they jumping on Jesus for? They immediately go to Jesus and they say, Hey, you know what? You're bearing witness about yourself, so uh, according to our law we can count you as false. Because you're just talking about yourself. Really, you had to, in the law, you had to have two witnesses in order to prove something was true. And so um, they concluded that, hey, Jesus is talking about himself. He said, I'm the light of the world. If anybody's going to not walk in darkness, they'll have the light of life if they follow me. And they're like, Jesus, gotcha. You're bearing witness about yourself. So your testimony is not true. And what does Jesus do? He responds in a classic way by telling them that they are totally missing everything that he's saying. The Pharisees, they're so blinded by their... Um, desire to catch Jesus in sin, that they're missing what Jesus is truly saying. And I think that can happen to a lot of people today. We're, 
today in the culture we live in, we're in a very, um, oh, that's the toy that doesn't turn off. <laughs> Need to just like throw that one in the trash. Just, yeah, throw it away. I'm gonna like strap a firecracker to that or something and blow it up, 4th of July. That's right. So, in our culture today, I feel like we're very um, confrontational. We have this viewpoint of things, and as soon as something happens that contrasts our viewpoint, we jump on things. That's how the Pharisees were. And they're jumping on Jesus here, and Jesus is like, guys, you're missing what I'm saying. Look at what Jesus says in verse 14. Jesus says, you know what? Even if I do bear witness about myself, my testimony is true. So even if I was bearing witness about myself, it would be true is what he's saying. For I know where I came from and where I'm going, but you do not know where I come from or where I'm going. They continue to miss who Jesus is, where he's from, and what he's been saying all along. Look at verse 15. He says, you judge according to the flesh. I judge no one. And even if I do judge, my judgment is true, for it is not I alone who judge, but I am the Father who sent me. Um, verse 17. In your law, it is written that the testimony of two people is true. And then he's going to give the two the testimony of two people. Verse 18. Shannon already went through this in an earlier chapter where Jesus mentioned these things, but obviously they weren't listening. Verse 18. I am the one who bears witness about myself. So Jesus is like, well, you got me. And then he says, and the Father who sent me bears witness about me. So there's your two witnesses. How did God the Father bear witness about Jesus? What do you think? Okay, he sent John the Baptist. How does how did God continue to bear witness about Jesus after John the Baptist kind of disappeared there? Because he said he was going to have to decrease, Jesus would increase. How do you think that God bore witness about Jesus? What do the people keep getting excited about every time they see Jesus do something? The signs and the miracles, right? So only God could do those things, right? So that is God bearing witness about Jesus. So the signs that Jesus did was the witness from God. So God himself was bearing witness about Jesus through the signs and the miracles that Jesus performed and that Jesus did. And you know, Jesus, he goes at the Pharisees here again in verse 15. He says, you judge according to the flesh. I judge no one. And he's talking to them about judging again, right? Back in uh, chapter 7, if you want to... Write this down, chapter 7, verse 24. Jesus told them the same thing. He said, don't judge by appearances, but judge with right judgment. Judge with right judgment. Um, it's cool, as I was looking through this, um, that word for judge, the Greek word there, is also translated in other places of Scripture as the word condemn or condemned. So judge or condemned, it's translated in multiple places like this. I want you to go over to John chapter 3. Because somebody could... If they just pull verse 15 of John chapter 8, let me read it to you. Jesus says, you judge according to the flesh, and Jesus says, I judge no one. Somebody could pull that verse out of context and say, Jesus isn't going to judge me. Mm -hmm. And so we need to know, okay, what's our response to that? Well, first of all, it's not necessarily in the context. That's not necessarily what he's saying. But let's go back to chapter 3, because we have the same Greek word in chapter 3 in verse 17, but it's translated as the word condemn. So let's take a look. We'll actually read verse 16 first. John 3, 16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world. That's the same word. 
It's judge. Same word. He didn't send his son to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Look at verse 18. Whoever believes in him is not condemned. They're not judged. But whoever does not believe is condemned or judged already. Remember when we talked about that, we said there was no need for Jesus to really judge the people who are in their sin because their sin already judged them. Their sin already condemned them. That's why Jesus did not need to come the first time there to condemn. That's right. So he says, I am not here to judge. Now, Jesus will come again, and when he comes that second time, that's a different story. The second time he will come with judgment. But at this time, when Jesus was here, he did not come to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Let's go back to John chapter 8. So Jesus says this to the Pharisees, kind of corrects their statement there, that Jesus was bearing witness about himself. In verse 19, um, the Pharisees, they said to him, therefore, where is your father? So um, before we get into this section here, I want you to take note, um, if you want, it'd be interesting to know how many times Jesus says the word father up to this point in all of his discussions with the Pharisees. Jesus continues to mention the father and the Pharisees and the Jews are always thinking on this physical realm, right? So when we're, whenever we say the word father, the majority of people are not going to think God. They're going to think whoever your earthly father is. And the Pharisees, that's, they're asking this question because Jesus said, I am the father who sent me. So he's like, my father sent me, which he has said before, but they're just kind of now hearing him say it and they're confused because they ask him, where is your father? And so Jesus had Joseph, his earthly father, like, where's, where's, where's big man Joe? Did he send you here to talk like this? And Jesus answered, verse 19, he says, you know neither me nor my father. If you knew me, you would know my father also. These words he spoke in the treasury as he taught in the temple, but no one arrested him because his hour had not yet come. So the Pharisees we see are totally confused when Jesus refers to God as his father. When they ask this question, they're most likely referring to his earthly father. And Jesus, because of their ignorance, he tells them that they really don't know his father, which if they were really listening, that would be a real slap in the face. Because the Pharisees were the ones who said they really knew what God said, right? And so Jesus is like, you know what? You don't even know me or my father. And he said, if you knew me, you would know my father also. Their ignorance of Jesus showed their ignorance of God, for Jesus was the revelation of the Father. We read that back in chapter 1. If you go to John chapter 1, I tell you, all of this, this is, this is we're getting to that point in John where if you don't remember the things from the first five, six chapters, you're going to be lost because there's so much connection to this. John chapter 1 and verse 14 says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen His glory, glory as of the only Son, from the Father, full of grace and truth. Uh, look at verse 18. Verse 18 says, No one has ever seen God, the only God, who is at the Father's side. He has made Him known. Jesus has made God known. And so we see that Jesus continues to just push this idea that God is His Father and they continue to miss Him. And we're going to continue to see this happen. But we see that John gives us kind of an insight into where Jesus is at this point. Um, he's in 
these words, verse 20 of John chapter 8, these words he spoke in the treasury as he taught in the temple, but no one arrested him because his hour had not yet come. So John gives us a uh, reminder here that Jesus is working on God's timeline, that nobody has arrested him yet because it wasn't time. And let's look at verse 21. So Jesus says to them again, I am going away, and you will seek me, and you will die in your sin. Where I am going, you cannot come. So the Jews said, will he kill himself, since he says, where I am going, you cannot come? Verse 23, he said to them, you are from below, I am from above. You are of this world, I am not of this world. I told you that you would die in your sins, for unless you believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. So now Jesus, he starts to go out and proclaim some very tough things to these Pharisees. He reminds them, first of all, that their time with him on this earth was going to be short, and it's coming to an end, right? He, this is the second time Jesus said that he's going away, and you will seek him and you won't find him. And he says, this time, though, that you will seek after Jesus, but you will die in your sin. So Jesus said this, if you want to write it down, the cross-reference, seven, chapter 7, verses 33 and 34. Jesus said that I'm going away, that same idea, that he's going away. His time with them on earth is short, and it's coming to that end. But back then, the Jews thought he was going to the Gentiles. They were like, oh, where's he going to go? Is he going to go to the Gentiles where we can't go? Like, okay, you can't go hang out with the Gentiles? All right. But this time, they jump like way off ship. They're like, is Jesus going to go kill himself where we can't find him? And that's, that's a, a really big jump, if you ask me. They're just like, is Jesus going to kill himself since he says, where I'm going, you cannot come? And so they're totally just lost. But then Jesus says something three times. Anybody pick up on the phrase that Jesus says three times here in this little short chunk, verses 21 through 24? What does he tell to the Pharisees? He says it the first time in verse 21. He says, I'm going away and you will seek me and you will die in your sin. That was the first time. Look at verse 24. Jesus says, I told you that you would die in your sins. Second time. For unless you believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. Three times. In just a few sentences, Jesus says the same thing. Jesus adds that they will die in their sins. He repeats it. What... What do you think he's referring to when he says you're going to die in your sin? Anybody? I know you got some thoughts, Chris. What do you think? Believing that Jesus is the Son of God. Perfect. Jesus says, hey, you're going to seek me. I knew that's what you were thinking, Chris. You're going to seek me, but you're going to die in your sin. So he's referring to their decision to not believe in Jesus as the one that God has sent. When they choose to reject Jesus, they choose to remain under the influence of sin, right? That goes back to verse 12. If you don't follow Jesus, you're going to walk in darkness. Darkness in the Bible usually is referring to sin, right? In the light, the salvation. So he's, you're, you'd be walking in darkness, you're going to die in your sin. This would be a result of rejecting the light, clinging to the darkness. Uh, go back to John chapter 3. John chapter 3. We read this earlier. 
in verse 19, Jesus says, And this is the judgment, the light is come into the world, and the people loved darkness rather than the light, because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his works should be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to the light, so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. And so Jesus is saying, hey, you're seeking me? There's going to come a time when I'm not here and you're going to seek me and you're going to die in your sin because you missed the opportunity to believe in me, to follow me. And it's interesting, I want to draw your attention to uh, verse 24. Jesus says, I told you that you would die in your sins, for unless you believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. That phrase, I am he, the Greek phrase there is very similar to that Hebrew phrase we've talked about before where God called himself, I am. So when Jesus said that in Greek, he is essentially saying, I am. If you would not believe that I am, you will die in your sins. So again, he was calling these people to believe in him. And then we see, moving on to verse 25, the Pharisees are starting to, what it would appear that they were starting to get what Jesus is saying, because this is probably one of their most intelligent questions, even though they wouldn't have to ask it if they would have just been listening, right? Verse 25, so they said to him, who are you? Man, what a question. So simple. Jesus said to them, just what I've been telling you from the beginning. Who am I? What I've been telling you all along. Verse 26, I have much to say about you and much to judge, but he who sent me is true, and I declare to the world that what I have heard from him. Verse 27, they did not understand that he had been speaking to them about the Father. So again, John lets us know that these people are missing out on the connection between God being Jesus' Father. Verse 28, so Jesus said to them, when you have lifted up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am he. Again, he says it again, that I am. And that I do nothing on my own authority, but speak just as the Father taught me. And he who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone. For I always do the things that are pleasing to him. As he was saying these things, many believed in him. So Jesus' response about dying in their sins must have scared them a little bit because of their question. They're like, who are you, Jesus? And Jesus says, guys, everything I've been telling you since the beginning is who I am. And you're missing it. Because they can't get past the physical realm, they do not understand what Jesus shares and the things that Jesus has shared with them. And then John shares with us that they still can't understand that God was Jesus' Father, and that led them to keep missing Jesus. And so Jesus, he gives them one bit of new information, and that's in verse 28. Jesus said to them, When you have lifted up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am He, and that I do nothing for my own authority, but speak just as the Father taught me. When you have lifted up the Son of Man, he moves to pointing out how they would ultimately know that Jesus was who he said he was, and that was the cross. Remember Moses in the wilderness, after the Jews got over the Red Sea, they started complaining, and God did something for them. Moses would lift up the serpent, right? And all the people had to do was look to it to be saved, to be healed. Jesus would have to be lifted up as well. He's connecting himself to all of these things from the Old Testament that they would have known and remembered. And you know what's cool? After Jesus mentions here the cross, which you know that they 
didn't understand really what he meant. But verse 29, we get this beautiful union between Jesus and the Father here. Verse 29 says, And he who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, for I always do the things that are pleasing to him. Jesus, he's never abandoned, he's never alone from the Father. He's always with him, and he always does the things that please the Father. And then ultimately, what's amazing about this is verse 30, John says that as Jesus said these things, many believed in him. We see people come to believe in Jesus, and these people are the ones that Jesus will speak to in the coming verses as we look through the rest of John chapter 8, starting next week. And so what we're seeing here today is, is a lot of things, a lot of things. There's, there was a few main themes, though, that are running throughout the story and really the entire gospel that I want us to make sure we remember. Um, so three themes that if you want to write these down, feel free to. The first theme running through this story and all of the gospel of John, really, is that Jesus is the light of the world. Jesus is the light of the world. I underlined the, because that's important. If Jesus would have just said, I'm a light of the world, that would have put him on equal terms with those candles in the temple. Just a light. Jesus is the light of the world. Number two, Jesus is the only way to salvation. He's the only way to salvation. That really goes with him being the light of the world. Jesus is the only way to salvation. Again, in verse 12, he says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. The only way to have the light of life is to follow Jesus. So Jesus is the only way to salvation. The last thing, and this is something that we're going to hit on more, but this is really starting to show itself here, is that the only way to know God is to know Jesus. The only way to know God is to know Jesus. And the people here, the Pharisees specifically, they kept missing that. They thought they knew God. But when God was right in front of them, they missed Him. I also want to point you to think about where the gospel is in this story, the good news of Jesus Christ. Think about what's happening here in this story and the gospel the good news of Jesus is on every single page of scripture and in this story specifically I see two places where it happens Jesus states he is the light of the world and whoever follows him will not walk in darkness but have the light of life this is the reminder that we're all walking in darkness until we choose to follow that light that's the gospel right the light came we have to follow that's all we have to do we have to receive the light Second thing I see is Jesus mentions that the Son of Man will be lifted up, pointing to the cross. And the cross was the ultimate picture of the gospel that Jesus laid his life down for us. And so with the three things that we shared and, and uh, the gospel here that we're thinking about, we need to really look at how this story and how those themes, how they can change our life. And so that first theme that Jesus is the light of the world, We have to remember that Jesus is the only way. We cannot use Jesus as an accessory to our life. He's not something that we just put on when we feel like it. He's not something that um, we just tack on like an accessory, like a bracelet or a watch or something. He's not something we just put on. Jesus is our life. 
If you want to write down the reference of Colossians 3, this verse has always um, stuck out to me. Um, going against the idea of just putting on Jesus when it's convenient. Colossians 3, verse, verse 1 through 4, verses 1 through 4, Paul says, If you have then been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ and God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. Christ is our life. He's not just an accessory. He's the light. So when we accept him and we choose to follow, he is our entire life. Secondly, if Jesus is the light of the world, he says his followers will not walk in darkness. His followers will not walk in darkness. Now, like we said earlier, this doesn't mean necessarily that we're perfect 100% of the time. Although God does see Jesus' righteousness when he looks at us, if we put our faith in Christ. After we put our faith and trust in Jesus, God doesn't see our sin. He sees Jesus. And so, even though that is true, we're still going to have times where we mess up. Jesus described how his followers will walk, right? In uh, John chapter 8, verse 12, he says, On the light of the world, whoever follows me will not walk in darkness. We might walk through darkness. We might, have, we might step into some darkness, right? Night comes every day. But we don't walk in darkness all the time. We will not continue to walk in darkness. And so we have to ask ourselves, is my life surrounded by darkness? And is my life surrounded by sin? Do I find myself in bondage to some type of sin? Because if we are following Jesus, that will not be true of our life. Um, if you want to write down some references here, Romans 13, 12 talks about light. Uh, 2 Corinthians 4, verse 6. So that was Romans 13, 12. 2 Corinthians 4, 6. And then if you can, I'd like you to go to Ephesians chapter 5 real quick. Ephesians chapter 5. Verses, this is a long one, verses 6 through 14. If we are followers of Jesus, we're not going to walk in darkness. And Paul gives us kind of what that looks like in Ephesians chapter 5, starting in verse 6. He says, Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore do not become partakers with them, for at one time you were darkness. At one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. Verse 9, For the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. We have the light of life, so we can expose the darkness. Verse 12, For it is shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. Right? That's what Jesus said in John chapter 3. Um, verse 14, For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore it says, Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. And so we have to remember that the way we live has to be different if we choose to follow Jesus. And those last two themes, they kind of go together. In order to know God, we have to go through Jesus. In order to obtain salvation, we must go through Jesus.
And so as we're kind of wrapping this up here, I wanted to kind of, I guess, direct our thoughts to the more recent events that are happening with um, the injustices that people are feeling in terms of race and things like that. It's more obvious to us that our world needs to be redeemed by Jesus, right? Things seem to be getting worse and worse and worse by the day, and, and our world needs to be redeemed. But without acknowledging our need for Christ, the world's going to continue to die in their sins, right? That's what Jesus said. Mm-hmm. That as um, we continue to reject Christ, he says, I told you that you would die in your sins, for unless you believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. So as Christians in this time, we have to stand firm in our faith in Christ. We have to stand firm, but we need to know how to speak the truth into these type of situations because there's a lot of people that can blow up these situations. I'm, I've even dealt with it in my own family. Differences in people's opinions and all these things. And as believers in Christ, this is a time where people are looking to us. How are they going to react to this? Are they going to speak something that I can really jump on like the Pharisees did? Like, Jesus, you're bearing witness about yourself, so you're lying. You're not true. We don't have to believe you. Are we going to slip up? Are we going to hold fast to our faith in Christ? And so the truth in these times is that um, not all people have been treated equally by other people. And that's a sad reality that I think we have to come to terms to. Um, But all people are treated equally by God. And we need to share that information. Mm -hmm and grace, and truth, that even though as people we don't treat all people equally, all people are treated equally by God. And without Christ, without sharing Christ in this, we're going to continue to live in this darkness. Um, Just want to share with you that the events that are happening right now really shouldn't surprise us as followers of Jesus, right? The world's walking in darkness. They're fulfilling their job description. That's what they're supposed to do, right? That's what the world does. They, they live in darkness. But we're the ones who should not be walking in darkness. So what do we do? Well, we need to come alongside those who feel pressed. We need to listen. We need to be around those people. If we're never around people that feel these injustices toward them, how can we know? How can we, like... Uh, how can we mourn with those who mourn, weep with those who weep? How can we know where they're at? But we must also stand for the truth that we know in Christ, that all men and women are created in God's image, but that all of us are in desperate need of a Savior, and that Savior is Jesus. We need to continue to share Jesus in this time, but we need to continue to be full of grace and walking alongside of those people and listen. I mean, from from what I can gather from all these different avenues and it's there's a lot just information all going at you a lot of people just want people to listen so when we listen you know we listen but then we need to share truth where we can that yes this world is broken and i i'm broken but i found jesus and he's the one who wants to redeem since we have that light of life that jesus spoke about Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. We have the light of life within us. We need to be sharing that light and, as Paul said, exposing the darkness. And so, with that, 
unless you have anything you want to share? No, I think the, the biggest key in, in light of all this situation is to remember that we can make all sorts of social change that we want. But until we understand who Jesus is and have Jesus in our heart, there will be no real change. He is the only one that will change any situation that we see out in this world. And, and that's regardless of the where, the when, the how, the who, that's the heart of the matter. Yeah. That's what's going to make real change. And that's what Jesus is getting at here. He is the light. There is no other light. Um, so, yep. good stuff. Good, good. Well, let's go to the Lord in prayer. And uh, we'll pray for the current situation in the world as well. Lord, we come to you now. We just thank you for your word. Thank you, Lord, that you are the light of the world and that you have given light to the world. And Lord, those of us in this house today, we have chosen to follow that light. And so we have the light of life within us. And we are thankful for that. But Lord, we also recognize that in our world today, there's... Um, injustices that are happening, that have been happening. There's hurt people. So Lord, may we be filled with the grace and love and kindness of Christ, but also have the boldness like he did to share truth and expose the darkness. So Lord, help us not to shy away from these situations. Help us to embrace um, them, Lord, in light of your truth that you've given to us. Help us to know you more in this time. Help us to continue to seek you so that we can go into every situation where we're prepared to give an answer. We love you. We thank you for our time together today. May you be glorified in our life, uh, all of our lives this week. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.